Well, welcome to everyone at all seven of our campuses. Uh, on the way in this weekend, you should have received uh, an annual report that looks a little something like this. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I scratched out the word annual, and I wrote in the word praise. That's what this is. This is a praise report of what God is doing here at NCC. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Deuteronomy 28 too. Do you remember this? That the blessings of God, they overtake us. Uh, that's what this is. Um, can I maybe uh, instruct you how to how to approach this? Because I think the tendency is maybe you look at a picture or two, right? Um, but maybe, uh, maybe this is a way for us to just Pray for National Community Church. Uh, maybe this is a way for us to give praise um, back to God for what he's done. Um, I, I think it ought to take more than five minutes. I think that's what I'm saying. Um, can, I, can I let you into my world? Uh, last weekend, um, I discovered uh, not just time lapse, which I shared about a few weeks ago, which I have been employing uh, quite a bit on my iPhone. In fact, I ran out of storage. Um, but Laura on her phone has this slow motion feature, which I enjoy tremendously. Um, so last weekend, to kind of kill time, you know, it was a long weekend, MLK Day. And uh, man, I, I, was, I was making slow motion facial features. Um, if you can imagine your pastor's slow motion dance moves, mm, mm. <laughs> Probably didn't want to see those. Um, our poor dog, Mickey. I was throwing him into the air, um, and we were capturing wonderful uh, dog-like expressions, him rolling over. Uh, the best one, though, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw this. I, I went on a hike um, on Monday. I pushed over a tree. I put, not as dead. It was dead. Um, but I still pushed it over and we caught it in slow motion. Here's what I'm saying. Let's just kind of slow motion this thing right here and make sure, because whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. And uh, this is a praise report. Let's give praise back to God. Now, if you're a guest, um, I, I think you chose a great weekend to be here because this is our uh, state of the church. Now, I'm going to ask that you don't stand every two minutes and plot. Um, uh, but this is about who we are, where we've been, uh, where we're headed. I might as well, well get this out of the way. The state of the church is strong. Yes. Come on, we're right here in, in D.C. Yeah, thank, okay, there we go. That's your one right there. Um, let me just hit a couple of little high points, and then we're going to jump into the, the message. Um, again, snapshot of what God is doing. Do, do you know that in the last two years, we've grown by more than a thousand people? Um, now, now, the best measure of a church, though, isn't seating capacity. It's sending capacity. We gave $1,666,000 uh, to missions, uh, which is awesome. We had 150 second serve projects. Okay, I remember when we had two what we called outreaches back in the day, the Easter extravaganza, and, and then we'd recruit about eight or 10 people and we would uh, paint a single mom's house on, on Mother's Day. And, uh, and we'd call a year. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with that at that stage, but, but just to see the way that we are serving our, our city is pretty remarkable. Um, we opened a cafe in Berlin, Germany, um, and uh, it gave us some numbers. 29,500 people have walked through the doors. They've hosted 100 concerts um, there in Berlin. And then, of course, there's our cafe in Capitol Hill, uh, Ebenezer's, which I'll talk about in just uh, a few minutes. Uh, we hit the million mark. More than a million people have walked through our doors last year, 123,000 in net profit. Every penny of profit uh, we gave right back to missions. Now, this is kind of fun, and uh, you'll see this as you walk through the report. Uh, our podcast got 273,502 plays in uh, 144 countries. Um, that, that's 5,260 per week. And uh, as we like to say around here, that's our extended family. Um, how cool to know that we're making uh, a difference in, in some places uh, around uh, the world. Um, our first Easter, we had 42 people uh, show up. I'll, I'll never forget it. And I was ecstatic. I, I remember thinking, wow, we broke 40. Um, and I was just so excited. Uh, this last Easter, we had 4,393 people uh, show up. Listen, what I'm saying is God is growing us. God is blessing us. And, and then just when we thought we were dreaming big, God gives us a castle, right? With, with the help of a $4.5 million gift. Are you kidding me? Um, unbelievable uh, what God is doing. And uh, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, we should give God a little standing ovation at all of our campuses. Why don't you just stand for a moment? Can we do that? And can we give God praise for what he's done? Yeah. Well, praise God, praise God. Um, you can be seated at all of our campuses. Um, one last thing, it's not about numbers, but every number has a name. Every name has a story and every story matters to God. And so uh, praise God for what he's doing. And uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn over to Joshua chapter 14, and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. During the darkest days of World War II, uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill uh, visited the boarding school that he had attended uh, half a century before uh, as a teenager. Uh, Harrow School is one of the oldest in England. Pretty crazy. Royal charter by Queen Elizabeth I in 1572. Um, so a little bit of of history, quite an alumni to say the least. Um, well, it had been 50 years since Churchill had won the fencing championship. It's kind of a little cool fact. Uh, won the fencing championship when he was in school there. And it's only fitting that he would give one of history's um, most famous speeches at the very school where he recited poetry and competed 
on the debate team at a critical moment in history, October 29, 1941. England was enduring the German Blitzkrieg and it would drop more than 100 tons of explosives on 16 cities night after night after night. Here's what was happening. Hitler was trying to break the will of the British people, but it only steeled their resolve. But part of it, I think a catalytic moment was this speech. Now you're gonna know it the second that I say it, but Churchill's words, I would argue, proved more powerful than Hitler's bombs. He said, never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to your convictions. Now that's the little part of the speech maybe you haven't heard. See, the rule of thumb is this, never give in. And I like it, it's good. But it's the exception to the rule that to me is far more profound. Never give in, except to what? Except to your convictions. Let me come right out and say it. The height of your accomplishments will be determined, will be defined by the depth of your convictions. And that's what we're gonna talk about this weekend. Listen, it's your convictions that define who you are and who you're not. It's the driving motivation. It's the why behind the what. It's the thing that gets you up early in the morning. It's the thing that keeps you up late at night. It's the thing that gets you all riled up. It's the thing that you would be willing to die for. Now, there's an old adage, let your conscience be your guide. But I'm going to one-up it this weekend. Let your convictions be your guide. Now, I have a handful of convictions. Uh, probably the most repeated is pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you, right? We, we, that's like, that's shorthand here at NCC. I mean, that's kind of our nomenclature. That's our, our drumbeat, if you will. But I have a few others criticized by creating. Now, that's original with Michelangelo, but I, I just think people who criticize by criticizing, it's lazy. It's a cop-out. One, we criticize by creating. Um, thou shalt offend Pharisees. Hey, you're going to offend somebody. <laughs> Might as well be uh, the Pharisees. I, I believe that playing it safe is risky. If you were to reverse engineer Mark Batterson, you would find kind of a handful of core convictions that would be uh, my key code. And I want to ask the question this, this weekend, what are your convictions? Now, I realize it might take a minute or two for you to kind of collect your thoughts. It's not like we, we, we walk around and just kind of, you know, for, for some of it. But, but if you don't know what your convictions are, you don't know yourself yet. Now, I know that sounds kind of blunt, um, but I mean it as, as good news. At the, at the end of the day, you are your convictions, or more accurately, you will become your convictions. For better or for worse, your deepest held beliefs will define who you become. I'll make one little distinction between core conviction and core value. And these are just my definitions, um, which doesn't make them right. 
But here's what I, I believe. Um, I, I, I don't want to downplay core values in any way, shape, or form. Uh, in fact, our family has, has four values. There are four words, uh, generosity, gratitude, humility, and courage. And, and, and so I believe in core values. Uh, the problem is, is that core value statements are generally written in ink. Not even if they're beautifully designed and hanging on a wall, um, more often than not, uh, values are kind of things that maybe, what, what I'm saying is they need to get a little deeper. And by deeper, what I mean is uh, blood, sweat, and tears. That's what convictions are. It's something that's beyond about. So, so in, in our family, humility, it's a generic value. But I want to tell you our conviction. If you stay humble, and you stay hungry, there is nothing that God cannot do in you and through you. I believe that. It's a conviction. Listen, a conviction is something you can take to the bank, take to the grave, or even take home to meet the in-laws. <laughs> that is a backdrop. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and about me. I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to spy out the land and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. According to his what? According to his convictions. Now, we'll come back to that. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Now then, just as the Lord promised me, he has kept me alive for 45 years. So here I am today. 85 years old, and this is quite a statement. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. Now give me this hill country. Then Joshua blessed. What did he do? See, it shows up everywhere. It's everywhere. It's Ariadne's Thread. Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. First, a little bit of biblical backdrop. Uh, the connective preposition here, as, means identical. So if I'm reading this right, he could bench press as much at 85 as he could at 40. He could run as fast. He could fight as hard. Here's what I'm getting at. Rocky and Rocky Five. That, that's what we have right here. Um, th this is Mr. Miyagi in the 2009 remake of The Karate Kid. This is Chuck Norris. Um, this is incredible. I mean, Caleb is an octogenarian, but you don't want to mess with Caleb because you've never met anybody with conviction like Caleb. He had been holding out for his piece of the promised land for 45 years. Now, Hebron, it was the highest town 
in Palestine. Isn't that interesting? About a thousand meters above the Mediterranean. That means it would have been one of the toughest places to take. It was the high ground. It was fortified. Oh, and it was populated by a race of giants called the Anakites. And Caleb says, yeah, I'm going to pick a fight. I'm going to pick a fight. And that's who I'm going to pick a fight with some giants. 19 years ago, a core group of 19 people said, give us the hill country. Now we thought it'd be one church with one location, namely Capitol Hill. Um, We had no idea. Uh, We're now one church with seven different campuses, and we have a 2020 vision. Let me just tell you what it is. Um, The first half of the vision is 20 expressions. These would be campuses, coffee houses, dream centers. These would be expressions of who we are as a church by the year 2020. Now, the other half of the vision is to be giving $2 million to missions annually. Now, we want to grow more so that we can give more. That's our heartbeat. And uh, the good news is we might get there this year. We might get there five years early. And if we do, praise God and pass the popcorn. A little historical illusion right there. All right. Um, Now, in our history page, um, this is so great. It marks our first missions trip in 2001. I kind of like this because uh, um, I was on that trip. Laura was on that trip. Two of our kids were on that trip. Pastor Joel was on that trip. Kind of sound like a family trip, isn't it? Um, And uh, here's the funny thing. Um, We could only field half a team. We had to join with another church to take our first mission trip. Okay. And and you guys, this was a trip to Jamaica. If you can't get people to go on a mission trip to Jamaica, um, I mean, 13 years ago, we can only get half a mission team this year. Um, We'll take 34 mission trips all around the world. What, I, what I'm saying is, this is our vision. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Now, one, one last piece of, uh, of uh, interesting uh, rabbinic tradition. It's believed that when Caleb uh, entered the promised land with the scouts, uh, that he left kind of that entourage at some point and made his way to Hebron to visit the grave sites of the patriarchs. Now that is where Abraham lived for much of his life. And uh, according to one rabbi, Caleb fell prostrate on Abraham's grave as he prayed. What a moment. Um, It's almost like he swore on his ancestor's grave that I will be back. This is promised land. This belongs to the Lord. In 45 years, that's a long time to see a dream come to pass. But 45 years later, that dream becomes reality. But where did it start? Listen, it starts where every dream, it starts with a conviction. 
a biblical conviction, a promise that the Spirit of God quickens in our hearts. Many generations after Caleb conquered the hill country called Hebron, it would become the very place where David would be anointed king of Judah. 500 years later. Here's my point. Um, I, I don't know that God gave Hebron to Caleb for Caleb. I don't know that he didn't give Hebron to Caleb for a guy named David who 500 years later would establish the kingdom of Judah on the high ground called Hebron. This report is not just about what God is doing right here, right now. In the last couple of years, we've started thinking in 100-year timelines. Now, I'm not sure that I'll live to 100, but you know what? What God is doing, he's not just doing for us. One of the most joyful numbers in this report are the number of kids, because I remember when it was Parker and Summer, and then Josiah, and then a few other little ones. But to know that there are hundreds of children that are being raised up the next generation of NCC, but it's about the generation after that and the generation after that. Now, we're going to zoom in on one phrase for just a few moments. We could talk about history, and I would love doing that. I love sharing our story because it's his story. It's history with a hyphen in it. It's a story that God's telling through National Community Church. I love to talk about vision. We have lots of it. We have vision beyond our resources. But instead of those things, I want to talk about convictions. Um, I, I had a memory come back to me today. It, it probably is the most remarkable moment of any message I ever heard kind of during my formative years growing up. Um, it was the pastor of the largest church in the world. I think I was 21. Um, I think I was still a student in Bible college. And this pastor of more than a million people uh, got up and he said one thing. He said, show me your vision and I will show you your future. And you want to know what happened to me in that service? I said, God, give me a vision. Give me a vision. Give me a vision. But I want to change this a little bit because I think it would be even truer to say, show me your convictions and I will show you your future. It says that Caleb brought back a report according to his convictions. According to his convictions. In this report, you'll find three core convictions. I'll take two minutes to talk about each. Number one, we believe the church ought to be the most creative place on the planet. I won't tell you the whole story, but Row 22, seat 12, left, back section, Willow Creek Community Church, 22 years old, uh, taking a conference on leadership for credit. And, and honestly, I thought that's what I would get out of it, three credits. Um, I got some extra credit because the Holy Spirit met me in, in, there in a way that I will never forget. I, it, it was like a holy dare. It's hard for me to even... Um, 
put it in words, but it wasn't just that the, the Spirit of God dared me to plant a church. Um, it, it was like the Spirit of God dared me to do it different. I don't even know if that makes sense, but it was a moment that, that marked me. And, and out of that came a conviction that there are ways of doing church that no one has thought of yet. And you know what? That's what gets me up most mornings. That's what keeps me going 19 years into it. That's why I'm still uh, as excited, more excited. Why? Because there, there are ways of doing church that no one has thought of yet. Now listen, we're orthodox in belief, but we're a little unorthodox in practice. Um, if the kingdom of God had departments, we would wanna work in research and development. Why? Because if you wanna reach people that no one's reaching, you gotta do what no one is doing. Listen, the very first expression of God is creativity. In the beginning, God what? He created. I remember being frustrated as a young pastor because I, I couldn't find the order of service in the Bible. <laughs> like, Lord, where is it? Because I want to nail it. I want to know the order. I want to know the number of songs. Give me the liturgy. And it wasn't there. And I'll tell you why. Because if it was, every church would look like every other church. Can I just say this? We need lots of different kinds of churches because there are lots of different kinds of people. And we are a church that celebrates every church in this city. If a church is preaching and practicing the gospel, we are on the same team. It's not about the name over the church door. It's about the name that is above every name. Now there you could clap. You could clap right, right there. Um, we'll allow that one. We'll allow that one. Um, church ought to be the most creative place on the planet. Uh, number two, the church belongs in the middle of the marketplace. Um, I, I want to be careful because sometimes we feel like, well, we don't want to over-communicate, but let, let me just kind of bring us back to ground zero. Um, we started Ebenezer's Coffee House be, because we wanted to create a place where the church and community could cross paths. And, and I'll tell you why, because the church that stays within its four walls isn't a church at all. I'm not sure what that is, but God has called us um, to be in the marketplace, to, to go into the, the highways and the hedges, if you will. Uh, Jesus didn't hang out at the synagogue, right? Um, he hung out at wells. Wells were natural gathering places in ancient culture. I mean, this was a sociological move. And, and uh, I think coffee houses are postmodern wells. And so we thought to ourselves, what would happen? If we built a coffee house instead of a church building, and, uh, and well, you know what has happened. I mean, I've already shared what, what's happened. Um, can, can I just, uh, um, here right off the record, um, just, just give you one of my little formulas? This is a freebie. This is like the bonus, okay? Um, a little formula. Uh, the Holy Spirit plus caffeine equals awesome. It just does. Um, and, and, and I think coffee runs through our, our veins, but, but it's about more than that. Um, listen, you can't go to church because you are the church. Um, let, let, let me thin slice this thing just real, real quick. A um, couple of weeks ago, I, I greeted people as I often do at our different locations. Um, and so uh, uh, I bumped into someone, a, a newly elected senator uh, who was here with his family and said hi to him. I've known him for a couple of years. Um, I spent a little bit of time with uh, a homeless friend of mine, probably the most regular attender here at, at NCC. Um, I, uh, I shook hands with a, a local news anchor who I recognized um, 
greeted a girl uh, from Kenya who, when she was in college, attended NCC, I think six years ago, and now moved back for a, for a job um, and uh, said hi to a CEO who runs a wonderful uh, networking organization for entrepreneurs in the city. Um, and, you know, there are probably half another, half a dozen other people that, that, I, that I forget. Um, but that's just a, a thin slice. Listen, I, I don't care if you're a, a barista. Well, I do care if you're a barista because then you're awesome. Or a teacher, or a, a doctor, or a cashier, or a server, or a student. It's not about what you do. Please, please understand that, uh, listen, it's not just about you becoming part of this corporate dream that we have as a church. Listen, we want to be a part of the dream that God has given you. And wherever you are, NCC is. Listen, your workplace is your mission field. Um, your job, that's your pulpit. Listen, your colleagues, that's your church. That's who you're called to minister to. That is the, the church distributed, the church extended. I, I, all I'm trying to say is, man, it's just so fun because you never know who's gonna walk in to, through, through the doors of our seven campuses. But I, but I do know this, there's not a single person who walks through our doors by accident. It's by divine appointment. Um, I was walking out. I just need to share this with you. I was walking out um, a couple of months ago and I spotted Emmanuel who, who he and his family attend our Kingstown campus. And, and with him was a, was a young girl that he introduced me to, a Nigerian girl, one of the girls who escaped the kidnapping last April. And she's in, in church at NCC. I don't have time, but this week I, I get an email from a 13-year-old Rwandan boy who was here with his debate team. Their whole team came to church. Oh my goodness, it changed their lives. And they went back. And in fact, um, he went back. I don't even know, what, what, what's the language? He, he told me, um, Kinyarwanda. Um, and uh, he said he read the circle maker and he went back and then he preached it to his church and everybody in his church said that they were gonna pray every day. What? Like, listen, crazy stuff. Our, our, our influence is something that we need to steward for the glory of God. All right. Called to be in the middle of the marketplace finally. God will bless our church in proportion to how we give to missions and how we care for the poor in our city. Listen, I remember that first $50 check that we wrote to missions on faith. And then this weekend at our leadership retreat, Corey, Corey Whitman, who is one of our missionaries in Thailand, the, the team that went to Thailand to serve with her, um, they raised $10,000 and give her a check this weekend. Come on, like unbelievable and stuff like that is happening right and left. And you know what? As long as we care about what's near and dear to the heart of God, those who have not heard the name of Jesus, have not had opportunity to receive the amazing grace of God. And as long as we are caring for the poor in our city, God's gonna take care of our bottom line. And you look at the bottom line in our annual report, and you tell me if that's not true. Well, we don't have a mission statement at NCC. We have a manifesto. Um, in one sense, every church has the same mission statement, right? 
Um, we want to make fully devoted followers of Christ. We want to be great at the great commandment. We want his, his uh, last commission to be our first concern. We want to love God, love people. Um, but then we've nuanced it. And on the way out this weekend, you're going to get a little manifesto. Really, it's just kind of a remix wooka, 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 of uh, our annual report. Um, I like doing that. You know, Benjamin Franklin had his 13 virtues. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright had his 10-point manifesto that he gave to his protégés. Stephen Covey had his seven habits. William Wilberforce had his two great objects. We have our three core convictions. You're going to get that manifesto on the way out. In closing, I want to let our campus pastors make the last point. Uh, It's a tag team uh, this weekend. Listen, we're one church. And our core convictions are the same across campuses. Uh, We have the same double uh, helix DNA, if you will. But each of our campuses is a slightly different expression of those convictions, which I think is a beautiful thing. Now, this is kind of interesting. Did you know that immediate family members share 99.5% of the same DNA? It's only one half of 1% difference. Ah, but that makes uh, our three kids, our three kids, that makes our seven campuses, our seven campuses. I love our campus pastors. I have so much respect. They inspire me. Uh, They challenge me. They are a gift to this church and at all of our campuses, they are going to come and share the final point. And I think as they do, let's give it up for our campus pastors.